This is the Roden Fellows Podcast. Capital One is a proud partner of the Roden Fellows Program, which provides opportunities to aspiring sports journalists from historically Black colleges and universities to produce content, including this podcast, throughout the year. Capital One supports this program as part of their larger commitment to the advancement of students from HBCUs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to ESPN's Anscape Roden Fellows Podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Black, and I have the pleasure of being joined by my co-host, Scott Lipscomb, and my producer, Pam Brents. Hey, guys, my name is Scott Lipscomb, and like I said, I'm from Xavier University of Louisiana, from Bowie, Maryland. I'm super excited to be here. Hey, everybody, I'm Pam Brents. I'm a graduating senior at Florida A&M, and I'm from Waterford, Maryland. Hey, Alexis. Hey, Scott. What's going on? Hey. So so today we will be discussing one of my all-time favorite topics ever, which happens to be women in sports. Yeah, we have so many dope athletes, um, especially right now with March Madness going on, mm -hmm. cheer nationals coming up. I mean, that's a super great topic, and I can't wait to talk about it with you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited as well. So it's getting extremely close to the NCAA Women's Final Four. What are you guys' predictions on the championship? I mean, there's a lot of, lot of a lot of great schools and even a couple of um surprising schools that made their way all the way to the Sweet 16. Um, who are you guys rooting for? I'm kind of in the middle. Like, I feel like South Carolina is gonna take it home again. But I'm rooting for LSU, like, so hard. Like, US, uh, LSU and Maryland, those are my three right there, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, definitely when you talk about LSU, I love Angel Reese. She's from Baltimore. Her brother plays at the University of Maryland. I just love that she's kind of making basketball fun again. She kind of plays with a certain competitive edge that just reminds me of playgrounds back home. She talks trash, and she backs it up. I mean, I think she was the first LSU player to have a 2020 game in the tournament, so – I love her. I love Maryland, of course. Uh, go Terps. Diamond Miller, she is a absolute bucket. She's propelled that squad. A lot of people didn't know kind of how UMD would look this year after a lot of the players left. Angel Reese actually was um, a Terp. Just to see them in here in the LSU, I would love for them both to make a deep run. Yeah, I really love Angel Reese. Like, I think it's so funny because every time I get on TikTok, I see her um, looking at somebody, bucking at somebody, and it's just like she and she's embracing like where she's from, and she's displaying that on the court, and she's playing well, and it's just like I like Angel Reese. Like who doesn't know Angel Reese? Yeah, agreed. She has been getting a lot of rave over TikTok. Again, I, as being from Maryland, want UMD to make it all the way, but also I've really been looking at um Georgia Tech going far. They're already um, a number one seed. They've only lost four games in their conference. I'm thinking that they have a real good chance of being in that um, top four slot. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm definitely watching. I don't know. It's just so hard to tell. And my bracket is completely – it's been messed up, so <laughs> I don't know. I'm winning my bracket. I look great on mine. Oh, my gosh. No, my bracket has no chance. <laughs> so – for our next segment, let's talk about the NCAA College Nationals. 
To our audience that is unsure of what this is, NCA stands for National Cheerleading Association, and it is one of the biggest cheerleading brands ever. From April 5th to April 9th of this year, over 400 college teams will come from around the world to compete in different divisions in Daytona Beach, Florida. So last year in 2022, there were only five HBCUs who competed. This year, there's a total of 15 HBCUs going. That is that is a major turnaround. Yeah. Today, we have some special guests who will enlighten us more about HBCU cheerleading and what to expect as we get closer and closer to college nationals. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing today? Hello. I'm doing well. Okay. I'm good. Hi, everybody. Super excited to be here. Glad you guys have me. Awesome. If you guys could just tell us your schools and how long you guys have been cheerleading, that would be awesome. Okay, so I guess I'll go first. So my name is Jayla Bumbry. I'm from PG County, Maryland. Um, I'm majoring in animal science, and I'm currently a senior here at Southern University, and I'm the captain of the Southern University cheer team. Um, I do have a co-captain, Jakira Parks, who unfortunately can't be here with us. Um, and I've been cheering since the eighth grade, but I have been doing gymnastics since I was very small, and I just transitioned over to high school cheer, and then I started doing college cheer, and then, yeah, that's how everything kind of came about. Mm -hmm. I'll go next. So hi everyone, my name is Olivia Barrow. I am a junior chemical engineering student from Greensboro, North Carolina. And I am one of the co-captains of the illustrious North Carolina A&T cheer team. And yeah, Aggie Pride. And I've been cheering since I was three, so about 18 years. Okay, um, I can go next. My name is Teddy. I am a senior at Xavier. I'll be graduating in May. Uh, my major is in psychology with a minor in art. Um, and I've been cheering since I was in sixth grade. So like my last year cheering was my 11th year. Um, I'm a back spot and I'm also the captain at Xavier University of Louisiana, the cheer team. Um, I would say like my job on the team is being a bridge for like the students well being a bridge for the athletes as well as my um my coach like being a bridge between them because my coach always has a vision for um our our message and the bigger picture like Xavier cheer we do a lot of work outside of the fact that we're just on the mat we also um are all our advocates for um younger black athletes as well as like just the black population um in general so we're all always fighting about Okay, so um, now we're going to get started. Um, we're going to be asking you guys a few questions just to help, help the audience understand more about this sport and why it's so important. And the first question is, what are your practice schedules like when it comes to preparation of this competition and what occurs during practice? I guess I'll go first. Um, so it's Olivia from A&T. And our practice schedule usually we practice every day of the week. Um, we have one day off. And during these practices, we run our routine multiple times and we uh, critique anything that needs to be changed. Um, 
let's say, for example, maybe a stunt's not hitting. So you need to start hitting that stunt on repetition and do it a number of times just to make sure it's hitting um, the appropriate amount. We also uh, do a little bit of team bonding as well, just to make sure everyone is still focused um, with what we have going on with comp season. It could be a lot. Um, it's a lot of time that you're committing to competition and to this team, and you're spending a lot of time with these people. So really getting to know them. And like um, Olivia said, currently we do practice every day. We practice Monday, Wednesday, 4 to 30. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we do have 6 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. practice in the morning um, at Coach's Gym. On Fridays, that usually varies. We'll usually do a later practice around 6. And then Saturdays and Sundays, we practice at 9 to 11 um, a.m. in the morning. Um, as of right now, we're we're hitting our routine. So we're starting to get – we're trying to get more accustomed to the Daytona schedule. So that means we would actually warm up how we would in Daytona. So we would actually take two mats um, we're time ourselves and then you know you do the warm-up mat and you got the tumbling mat then you got um, maybe like one more mat and then you got the full out mat and then we go full out so that's basically how we're doing it um we're basically just trying to key ourselves in and lock in on being um clean tight you know the basically focusing like on the little stuff if one person's off in timing um, performance scheduling wise and now that we are getting closer we are doing different tactics so we are we actually um, are bringing in guests to our practice to watch us do our full outs and then they can critique us and see how um, we basically do that um, for bonding we actually did just have a lock-in last week uh, we practiced for about two hours and then we just played games the rest of the time just getting used just getting used to each other and getting accustomed to the routine um and yeah just being there for one another and we really are big on supporting one another uh physically as well as mentally and that's really what we do at seven cheer and that's how we're trying to uh, move ourselves and get us through this, this daytona season okay okay this is teddy from xavier um, our, I would say our schedule is similar to um, Jayla's at Southern. Um, so, like, we'll practice, you, like, our regular um, season schedule is from Thursday through Sunday. And then when we get closer to competition, we will usually not practice on, like, a Monday. But that's if, we, if it was up to our coach, we would practice almost every day. But because um, I think in the NAI guidelines, we're not allowed to practice seven days a week. The athletes are required to have one day off. So we practice six days a week. Um, usually the practices are in the afternoon. We'll have a practice from 7.30 until coach feels like we're ready to go home. Mm -hmm. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we would usually um, condition in the mornings uh, from, well, it depends on what your class schedule is. Some of them, it's only an hour workout, but some of them, their workout will start at 6 a.m. Some of them will start at 7 and some will start at 8, depending on what your schedule looks like. Um, and during those practices, the morning practices are only for conditioning um, and lifting. And then the afternoon practices are for cleaning the routine. And again, like Jayla said, we will start practicing the way that we'll practice when we actually get to um, the final competition. So we'll... Uh, I think for NAI, it was 
um, you get 10 minutes on each mat. So the first mat is just for stretching, but we will always do our normal stretch before that time so that when we get there, we can, you know, stretch any other things or like get taped if we didn't have time to do that. And then, excuse me. And then we'll have 10 minutes on the next mat, and that mat will be for doing jumps, running, tumbling, standing, tumbling, and baskets. And then when we get on the last mat, that is when we'll, um, that is when we, we will work the main stunt, our elite stunt sequence, we'll do it twice so that everybody gets a chance to hit it. And then we'll go from the beginning of the routine to the end doing a full out. And then after that, like, mind you, this is in practice. After that happens, anything that fell, we do a mistake through. So we'll go through the routine again. And if you like dropped your stunt, if you, sorry, if you dropped your stunt, if you like touch down on the tumbling, you're required to do that. And it's also a performance through. So we'll go do that. And then after that, we'll leave it up to one of the coaches, whether they want to work something else or clean um, a specific section. But that's pretty much how the practices are ran when we get closer to competition. Okay. Um, what divisions are your teams uh, competing in this year? Intermediate um, co-ed okay. at NCAA. Um, this is Olivia from A&T, and we're doing intermediate all-girl. This is Teddy from Xavier. We're actually not going to Daytona anymore because our coach felt like we did not put – enough effort in and we have a we have a bit to go but that's kind of like our lesson for this year that he's trying to teach us but if we did go we were going advanced all girl Jayla your your team's going as co-ed do you guys have boy cheerleaders um yes currently we have two on the mat with us oh. and we also competed co-ed last year and we had three on the mat nice cool Okay, that actually goes into my next question. So what is one thing um, that you would say is the difference between PWI cheer and HBCU cheer? This is Jayla from Southern U cheer. Um, PWIs and HBCUs, it's always looked at differently. And HBCUs, we do get the lower part of everything. Like we're looked at lower in athletics, um, academics, school, money-wise. Like they just don't give us as much money or as many resources as they do as other PWIs. So we do, um, we are in a lower quality and we do have to work in different conditions than they do at PWIs. Like I said, that we don't have a set of uh, practice space. And that's something that really does hinder us from practices because sometimes we do have to practice out on the soccer field or on the basketball court. And that's not something we shouldn't have to do, but that is something like PWIs, they do um, have those type of resources and they have higher ups like their um, head assistants and stuff like that, that actually help them with these sort of issues. So I agree with um, what she said from Xavier, that when you do go to competition, they're already looking at us as a African-American team to not be as good as the PWI. So you have to come and show out every time because they're already, they want us to lose. Like they're not rooting for us. So it's just something that, you know, not even just in cheer, it's something in the world that you have to learn. You just have to work a little bit harder to get there. And it's not impossible, but you do have to work a little harder. But if you want it, you can get it for sure. I agree with Jayla. This is Olivia from NCAT. Funding-wise, we all know that HBCUs are not as funded. Um, a few years ago, they actually tried to pull funding from HBCUs, but Biden was able to push back on that and and still our funding back again. 
So when it comes down to facilities, not a lot of sports at HBCUs have enough, especially when it comes down to cheer because we're at the bottom of the totem pole. So the difference between us and PWI cheer is funding-wise, they have more facilities. They have more at their disposal. So when it comes time to compete, they may feel a lot more prepared than we do. But at the end of the day, um, we have to put in a lot more work. Like um, she said from Xavier, we have to put in a lot more work. We have to put in a lot more time and we struggle a lot more just to meet them at the same level. But at the end of the day, it's really going to be about commitment and who shows up on the mat that day and is ready to win. Um, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. I agree with both of them. I feel like it's for the most part, it's the funding. Um, and I feel like at Xavier, um, a lot of the kids that we recruit are from All-Star. And so they're used to tumbling on um, spring mat and, you know, transferring those skills to that mat is very hard on our ankles and our wrists and our bodies. So that funding that could be going to the trainers, um, we're kind of short on, tra on training staff here at Xavier. So like the athletic trainers, there were times when we were taping ourselves on the way to competition. So that's like just one prime example of how the funding is affected. But I feel like, yeah, that's kind of similar to what they both said. The funding is the, the hardest part or the biggest, the biggest difference between PWIs and HBCUs. Okay. So I have a question for uh, Jayla. Um, you guys placed third last year out of 13 teams. Um, can you explain to me what that experience was like and what the team learned and how you guys plan to, you know, come back on top this year? So when we placed third last year, it's really because we didn't hit day one or day two and coming into competition, we didn't, we weren't as prepared as we should have been because our routine was good. Our raw score was high enough. It was actually higher than the intermediate auger category from last year. So mm -hmm. we could have won with that routine, but we just didn't hit. And as a routine, especially going against like these other PWIs and other HBCUs, like if you want to win, you have to hit. Mm -hmm. um, it was definitely heartbreaking for us, especially coming from the year before when we hit, when we got second place. But it really just fueled us for this year to make us better. And we're always like, okay, like you didn't do this tumbling pass, this stunt fell. So now, you know, this year you got to come back even harder. So that's really what we're doing this year is just really prepping, preparing as many full outs as we possibly can and just trying to get it. Cause, because the vets that were there last year, we don't want to be in that same position where we were defeated last year when we got third. So okay. that's really what's pushing us this year. Yes. So um, to Olivia, you guys have you guys competed for the first time in a long time last year. And this is something new. You guys are co coming to NCA. It's a bigger competition. It's more competition, more, you know, other teams that will give you a run for your money. I know it's, it's a big competition. Um, so what do you think will be what do you think is going to be different from last year? And like, how was the team preparing themselves for this competition? Great question. So last year we won first place at Can-Am Nationals at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And what really prepared us then was being the underdog. Having the underdog mentality is really what saves you at the end of the day. And for us, we're a huge praying team. We pray before anything. We pray after everything. Mm -hmm. um, 
really committing our time to the craft is important, but understanding that there is someone else in control the whole time who already knows our fate, who already knows what's going to happen on the mat when we get to Daytona is really what pulls us and makes us to, you know, become better athletes overall. But one thing that we are um, doing pretty similar to last year is technique wise. What can we change? Um, what can be better with Daytona, you cannot hit at Daytona, but you can have perfect technique and still place in top five. So mm -hmm. really focusing on squeezing your arms, um, making sure that catch is firm, it's on the right time, tumbling is all together. So those are certain technique things that we really focus on. So even if we don't hit, which I'm not saying we will, uh, we won't because I know we will, but even if you don't, um, you still have a chance to make it and even win at the end of the day. So my last question is, could you guys leave us with advice and pro tips for college girls that are interested in cheering at an HBCU? I'll go first. <laughs> um, this is Olivia from NCAT. So some advice that I would give to anyone that wishes to cheer at an HBCU don't be discouraged by anything that we said. Um, it really comes with the territory of cheer. Anywhere you cheer, um, you know, I like I said, I've been doing this a really long time. So a lot of people don't think that cheer is a sport. So we have to earn our respect wherever we go. Um, don't let that discourage you from pursuing cheer at HBCU. Um, you have to have the talent. You have to be willing to put in the time to better your craft. And you have to be willing to be a team player and know how to communicate with other people to carry out a plan. Because at the end of the day, competition and winning competition has always been the goal. So mm -hmm. when you come in in the summertime, really your mission from day one is to go to NCA and go and win with this team. So like I said, don't be discouraged. Um, put in all you can and really, you know, contact people, talk to people. That's my number one advice. Know how to network with other people and that will help you to become a better athlete and a better person overall. That was good. I can go next. Um, some advice that I would give, I totally think that you should do it. If you are afraid, don't be, if you have any like anxiety or worries about not making the team, just try it just because you never know what could happen. Um, and another piece of advice that I would give is regardless of what HBCU you decide to go to and cheer at, just be ready to do the work that's, that that's outside of cheer that comes with being on an all black team at an HBCU, be ready for that work because it's not, it's, it's work that'll build you, build you up and make you have tough skin. And it's also work that'll help you out in the real world. When you remember that, like, you know, you're kind of stuck with this skin. This is the work that you're going to have to put in wherever you go in the workplace. If you're trying to be an entrepreneur, if you're trying to be, I don't know, a cook, whatever you want to be, this is the work that you have to do. And it's always going to be a little bit more than everybody else, but being on on a cheer team and, and with, you know, teammates that encourage you to always give your best regardless of that work will definitely allow you to put out the best work that you possibly can and push you to your limits. So if you want to do it, just do it and try it and good luck. 
Okay, it's Jayla from SU Cheer. Um, if you want to cheer at an HBCU, then you should just do it. It's no reason why you should not do it. Cheering at an HBCU is honestly the best experience that you will ever get. I chose Southern, and it was the best choice for me. Um, I really got to learn a lot more about myself. I grew with the program. Um, I went through different coaches, so I was able to go through different teaching styles and learn how to maneuver and communicate with a lot of different people, uh, which is a skill that you need to know in the real world because you need to know how to communicate, uh, handle different situations, you know, not always just going with the flow or always getting so worked up, worked up over certain situations. Um, and being at HBCU is such a family vibe that you can't get from nowhere else. Um, and even though cheer is on the bottom like of sports and we are still trying to get that better recognition, there are people that are still fighting for us and still working to give us the experience that we require. Like we just went to Utah um, for Salt Lake City. So that was really fun. Some of the cheerleaders, they actually just went to California um, they flew them out for March Madness, which was really fun and is a really good experience. Um, and, you know, we're just always trying to work on bettering ourselves um, mentally, physically, um, as a cheerleader, as an athlete, as a student and as a person. And that's something that you can't get nowhere else. So like we always say Southern is a standard, but any HBCU is honestly a good choice. It's just all about like what you like and what you want to do. And just know that if you do choose to go to an HBCU, you won't regret it. I really do appreciate all you guys joining us today. Um, your insight into the NCA world is very um, helpful. And I think our viewers are really going to enjoy um, hearing your stories and then watching you take the stage in Daytona. Um, thank you all for coming on today and um, have a good rest of your day. Thank you guys so much for having me. Super excited. Thank you Bye. so much. Bye guys. Bye. For our final segment, we're going to talk about HBCUs and gymnastics. Yes, in 41 years of college gymnastics, this university became the first HBCU to have a women's gymnastics team last year. While they might not have had the best record, they inspired so many other people around the country. They went three in 29. However, every time they stepped on the, the mat, they got standing ovations, cheers, just because, again, this was the first team in over 40 years at an HBCU to compete. So they were trailblazers. They were record setters. And a lot of those members now have a special place in history, not just of gymnastics, but of HBCUs and athletics that no one can ever take away from them. That's right, Scott. It doesn't matter uh, how you got started. It's the fact that you started. And I think that it was an the overwhelming uh, applause that they got on social media and from news outlets and from sports outlets was because that they were representing the HBCU community. And I even see there being a few more schools to start um, developing their own gymnastics program at HBCUs in the coming years. Definitely, the season isn't quite over yet. They will be competing the USAG Collegiate Nationals in Denton, Texas, April 6th to 8th. So make sure y'all tune in and watch them. Wow. That's the same time as NCA College Nationals. I can't wait to see the history that will be made that weekend. Yes, I'm extremely excited that 
HBCU gymnastics has finally been created, like you said, Pam. Um, it's actually the second HBCU with a gymnastics team will be Talladega College, and they will be launching this summer. And it was it's funny because I remember some of my colleagues at AT, um, they created a petition to form a gymnastics team, but it got happened. But I know that one day it's gonna like fall and it's gonna be gymnastics teams at all these HBCUs because we just have to, you know, make a move. Talladega is the second but won't be the last HBCU to have a gymnastics program. In the coming years, I definitely see this being a trend among HBCUs and for all Black women who want to attend HBCU but also be on the, the mat just as they were in high school. If you haven't already, visit Anscape's site and read Mia Berry's piece featuring Fisk University gymnastics team. It's a great article. And shout out to all the HBCUs. We're rooting for everyone Black and the accomplishments we continue to make. And let's not forget, at the end of the day, it's always Aggie Pride. <laughs> and let's oh, not forget, it's Rattlers Forever. <laughs> well, that's all for today. For tuning in, follow us at Anscape on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to keep up with our HBCU experiences. For all another year of the Roden Fellows podcast, we'd like to give a very special thank you to Mr. Roden. PN Digital Audio and Content. Get all of your Rhoda Fellows HBCU podcast episodes by subscribing to the Anscape Listen tab of the ESPN app. Make sure to join us next time for another podcast episode and don't forget to go on the Anscape website to look at the latest news and insight. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.